It's time to switch on the computer. And let's get computing. How is it up there at this hour, Grant? It's, well, it's day. Hello, 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 hello everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of The Dankness. We are back. I am Dan Sickles. And I am Jason Bailey, aka Art Gnome. And we are hosting some of the best minds in the cryptosphere for a little bit of conversation about their work, their life, and we are digging into a bit of the crypto mythology. Yeah, I mean, we realize that a bunch of the interviews that we hear in this space kind of just go over the same territory with the same folks over and over and over again. And, over and over. Uh, and over. It started to feel like too serious and monotonous and boring, which is like all the things that this space shouldn't be. And we know like the people that we've met in this space are awesome and have cool things to say. So we've designed this podcast to try to get at those cool people saying cool things in a more relaxed way so that we can share it with you. And today, we have a super, super very special guest, two of them, actually, together. Today, we're going to be chatting with Jennifer and Kevin McCoy. We got the McCoys on today. The real McCoys. That's my boomer joke for the episode. The real McCoys. Let's get to Uh, it. Let's get to it. We give you the dank news. Welcome back. Complete examination. McCoy's waiting. This segment is called Show and Tell. Um, it's a segment where we show and we tell. Each of us chooses something that we're interested in and kind of brings it up as a topic. We bat it back and forth, share our feelings uh, with you. So I think with this episode, I, per usual, am not prepared and we'll kick it over to you, Dan, to share something about you and your life and your perspectives. You're best when you wake up, Bailey, so I'm sure we'll find it. Uh, you know, okay, so I, this is something that I've been thinking about for, for a while, actually, um, and, but I haven't really necessarily been able to articulate in any sort of, uh, in any sort of articulate way. Uh, so I, I will need your help, uh, Art Gnome, for this, but, you know, I, I guess some context is that I've been making nonfiction film for over, over a decade. Um, and that's, that's sort of, that's led me to some amazing places, meeting unbelievable people that I I don't think I would necessarily get to meet in any other context. And a big part of that work, um, is establishing trust, uh, between, you know, me and my team and then the people in front of the camera who are lending me their time. Um, and even more than their time, you know, it's, it's very often they're lending, their stories and like they're lending their experience. And, and that's something that for me, I take enormously seriously and I already feel myself getting up on my soapbox. So, uh, so bear with me. Preach, (laughs) preach Dan. (laughs) But, um, 
you know, like there's all types of people when, when you start a doc and like, and you're reaching out and, and, you know, you're trying to see who, who might be willing to talk to you. And like, and you know, there, there are people who are like, yeah, like sign me up, put me in coach, you know, that are, that are very sort of ready to hop into the ring and, and, and give their two cents on, on any subject. Um, and you know, there are other people who will actually sort of, you know, take, take a bit of time to vet you maybe. Um, I remember working with Pussy Riot last year. She was somebody who I remember getting on the phone with and she's like, okay, why, why should I, <laughs> like, why should I hang with you? Why should I spend time with you? And, and that's a really difficult question to answer, but that's, it's exciting to me when I, when I sort of am engaged with somebody like that, who's demanding that of me. Right. Um, cause it what sort of forces me that? to articulate like what it is that we're, what it is that we're doing. Um, so, you know, it's like, and I don't, and I don't mind it either we? way, you know, like there, there's no, there's no good response to sort of somebody coming to you and saying like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to talk to me in front of a camera? And, and I'm going to sort of work to cut that together and tell a story. Um, and I came to this space. Exactly. I came to, yeah. I feel, I, I feel like there's a, a big, but like where you're about to be like, but. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I sort of cut through the, but, but, you know, I guess I'm, Everything that I'm about to say like after this is also sort of, there are a lot of people who say that they do work similar to myself um, and that, that say that they make documentaries. And there are a lot of people who, who do, you know, and I think that- um, We're here for the party. And- just there, there are so many different ways of doing that and going about making a documentary. Um, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to, to discourage people from working with documentarians. Um, I guess, I guess I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the cryptosphere now and, and, you know, like this is, this is a particular, this is a particular ecosystem of communities that I, I was very, uh, uh, you know, organically became very interested in and, and sort of like diving deeper and deeper into, even before I decided that I wanted to try and make a film or make sense of all of this chaos. Right. And in, in so many ways, you know, my crew and I have deliberately taken our time to execute and sort of um, figure out what the plan is in order to do that. <clears throat> and I guess, like, again, there, there, there's just an incredible amount of trust that, that, that sort of happens within these fledgling sort of nascent communities and these spaces where, like, you don't necessarily know what the intentions of people coming into it are. But I will say that, like, you know, times are sort of in a lull still, like they're a bit quiet. And like, I, I, we can all assume uh, that we know or that we feel that there will be a moment that this picks back up again and that there's interest sort of from outside, you know, uh, these, these sort of circles again. And I, I guess, like, I just want to sort of say that it's like incumbent on on the people within the cryptosphere to to really sort of be discerning about who they are lending their time and their stories to moving forward. Um, I guess I say this because I imagine that there's going to be a ton of people who use similar language to myself approaching people in the space in the future when this picks up again, when the attention is back on what's going on here, and. I guess I also want to say that like not everybody has the best intentions. And when you are, you know, in front of a camera sharing your story, you're giving the person behind that camera an incredible amount of power 
to to edit and and sort of play with that footage however they want. I am your creator. You are the creator. And I think that there's there's something in that dynamic that isn't always respected. Um, and I'd say maybe even more so in sort of the rush to produce and the rush to finish a thing and get it out into the world in the age of streaming. And, you know, it's like, I hear it too. Like there's so many documentaries that are being made about NFTs, but the truth is, is that there's only going to be uh, maybe a small handful of them that actually matter, maybe a small handful, right? Um, and that I tend to think that those are the ones that actually sort of cared about the people that are featured in them um, and that are really sort of made with and of the community rather than sort of like looking at a community, holding it at arm's length and sort of making sort of very easy criticisms and using sort of the benefits of an editing room to make people look particular ways. Um, I think that that's sort of the end of my speech. I know that my connection has been <laughs> like a bit laggy, so I don't know if you heard all of it, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I guess, you, the, like you know, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen quite a bit of media that hasn't been released yet. Uh, that's been sent my way. Uh, and that this is sort of why I've been thinking about it more recently is that like, there's so much goodness here. Um, and there's so much vibrancy here. And I mean, you you hear it from every guest that we've had on this show, and it's very easy to talk about the other things. Um, and it's very easy to sort of perpetuate fear um, and sort of speak to the, 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 the darker sides of ourselves, especially when you don't understand what's happening in a particular community. Um, it's so easy to ostracize people and just so easy to make them look as if they're, they're sort of one dimensional, you know? Um, and I guess for, 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 for me, even just as somebody in this, in this, in these communities, it's like working, you know, in, in this ecosystem, like I hope that we sort of use our wisdom in deciding who we're going to speak with moving forward in what ways, what access we're giving people, what cameras we're allowing into our rooms. Um, yeah. Art itself yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I have um, lots of mixed thoughts or feelings about that, right? Because on the <laughs> one hand, like, we have to be really careful about who we let tell our stories and who's telling our story and what their their goals or intentions are. And, and I have frustrations less from like a documentary side, but more, more recently, and this is a, a hard one for me to, exp to, to voice. And usually when I'm not exactly sure how to say something, it comes bite to back or back to bite me when it's recorded, but what the hell, why stop now? So it feels like the traditional from, from slightly different thing, but similar, it feels like the traditional art world who kind of weren't into NFTs or the NFT space for the first couple of years, like, um, and we're like, well, this isn't art. These aren't real artists. These aren't real art Did collectors have come along and sort of become more comfortable now that they realize this is a larger thing and it's maybe not going to be forgotten or swept under the rug. Oh, and I almost hard. worry, and I know it's a slightly different thing, but I almost worry that it's like, um, they're colonizing, um, uh, crypto art or something like, you know, by, by, wanting to take what so recently happened through blockchain and art and crypto art and fit it into a narrative that conveniently fits um, the more traditional arc of, of who gets to pick what matters in art history, right? That's all part of so it. So that's yeah. a, 
For sure. So, I mean, that's that's a, a sort of a, a variant, but my point being that, like, there's part of me that's, like, really paranoid and anxious about who tells the story because like anyone who's been in this space for a long time we think it's really special and important but then there's another part of me dan that like um thinks we should have as many people telling the story as possible and that most of the time when most people tell stories they get most things wrong and that's like unavoidable right um and that i have a hard time sort of reconciling those until i remind myself that all of my faith is put into you at least getting it right <laughs> um, so uh, al- along with along with this concern about maybe like who you you know give your time to in terms of like who's going to tell a story or what their motives are, are they just trying to cash in or you know, um, are they going to paint the story uh, in a light that's not fair, accurate, beneficial um, in, in any what a way? Great story. Um, adds additional stress to the folks that want to get it right. It's a hard thing to get right, certainly yeah, from a single right. perspective. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's also sort of why. Maybe, maybe this is a bit selfish to then say it that way. I mean, because I because I do agree with you though. There need to be multiple narratives. Like there need to be multiple versions of this story told, especially because the whole nature of it is to to this effort towards decentralization right so that that should absolutely happen at the at the sort of root of of our of our own lore right um i guess my hope is that the dozens of people working to to sort of make that happen have also sort of that it's it's a bit more of a dialogue rather with the community that's happening sort of in all of these different places at these different times rather than this this sort of 2020 national geographic perspective of like i'm again like we were we're sort of on the other side of a glass looking in and this group of people is different than us and usually that leads to a place of like reductionism right um so so that exactly. like so that like the dynamics of an entire community or communities interacting and trying to figure something out is sort of then just just uh, it can be told and swallowed in 45 minutes uh you know in in with commercial breaks and you know then you can get it once it's done and you can feel good because like you you get that so now you can go back to your life yeah this is art dude yeah in, in a way not to get overly like um nerdy about it but it is a Get little it. bit meta the conversation right in that um no, no, it's sort it sort of mirrors this anxiety that that the nft space crypto art space has sort of inadvertently um brought up in the last few years which is do i put stuff out as fast as possible um under the the desperation of trying to capitalize on this moment um you know when people are interested and in maybe buying or you know paying attention to artists or do I work at a pace that makes sense and is thoughtful to try to build something that I'm really proud of and put it out in the world? And I think part of what the last two or three years did is elevate that conversation in a way that no creative can ignore it anymore, right? Uh, there was like, you know, do I rapid fire, put a bunch of stuff out and try to do bajillion drops yeah, and like, you know, right. maybe even compromise my principles? Um, right. Or do I take quite frankly, the risk that it takes to, to do something slower and thoughtfully and, and what feels right, you know, the, to be the right way. And I think we're getting a mix. What my mom would say, and mom's always right. My mom would say like, 
you can't really control what other people are, are going to do, um, but you can control to some degree what you're going to do. Right. And like right, people, people are pretty smart and they can tell, like just sense other people's intentions and, uh, and, and they appreciate, you know, for the most part, good, thoughtful, high quality work. And I don't know, mom's advice always makes me feel a little bit better. Ah, I like your mom's so advice. Cute. That is cute. Sage wisdom. No, I, I, I hear that for sure. I guess it's like, I, you know, I, I feel for people because I, I, I've seen it too. And I've seen also when it gets messy and like that, like there, there hasn't been maybe that moment taken to say like, Hey, like, do I, do I feel as though I know I can go up to this filmmaker when the film is coming out and saying like, Hey, I feel like you messed that up and feel like they can mm. hear it. You know, because it, it, even even me, like I, it's like I I absolutely like you're saying expect to get things wrong. Like I I do not have an you expectation that my film will will sort of be me. the only one that's sort of like that that that's that's not a burden that I'm placing on it at all. But it's almost as if like I I I do expect and I do hold the responsibility that for the things that I do get wrong, that that I'm accessible to the people who who lent me their time, the people who made it with me. Um, and that, that it's, it's my responsibility to hear that with them. And it's not sort of just like leave them there after they've given me their time and just sort of like point to the film and be like, okay, well, that's the thing that I made. And now, and now I'm going back to my life, you know? Yeah. Your, your story was my story. I used it to my purposes and I'm done exactly. later. Yeah. And I think there is an expectation, you know, I mean, I know we sort of met because you invited me to, to, um, sit for, for your upcoming documentary. And there is an expectation. I think sometimes that, if you agree to these things that your, your um, values or goal or mission or whatever will somehow be amplified um, through right. the, the doc, the documentary um, or through even in like lesser cases, if I'm doing a written interview or something. Right. And right. Um, if, once you've done enough of these things, you almost get used to being sort of disappointed. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I remember not, not that, not that you're going to disappoint. Dan, no, but I remember no, I get it. W w when I was like 12 or 13, I got like this like local high school award for like painting or something like that. And like the, the, um, the local Billerica Minuteman, like tiny newspaper that no one reads a uh, reporter came over, but that was like, the biggest moment in my life, right? Like sure, there's my family sure. unit, right? And there's some strangers coming to the door to interview us. And like, you know, I'm super anxious and shy about it, but like trying to answer best I can and like ready to like get the copies of this newspaper and share it with everyone. But I was so freaking nervous. I mean, they could have done a better job too on their side that the whole thing was like, we asked Bailey what he thought. And he said, I had no idea. We asked what his work is about. He says, I'm not sure. And oh. we asked, and it was, so it was just like, it was like this, such a letdown, right? But you really are, I think what you were getting at in the beginning is like, you really are putting um, so much that's dear to you and what you care about in the hands of someone else to amplify and necessarily to tweak, right? Like there's going to be yeah. a bias um, from, you're going to bring a bias. Um, and so if you're, I think, not to restate what you've already stated eloquently, but if you're in this space and people come knocking either now or in the future when people want to understand it better um, and want to interview you in, in any form, maybe it's it just makes sense to ask yourself, like, what's their objective? What bias? Because there's always a bias. Are they going to bring? Um, and, you know, who and how are they going to amplify uh, what I what I give them? Right. Which is something that we even have to be conscious about on the on the podcast. Like people are really um, sticking, you know, kind of 
putting their necks out there, um, trusting us to, to talk to them about these things. Exactly. And I think that like, if there is any confusion as to like, sort of like what any of the, of the rest means, it's also sort of just fundamentally reminding yourself that like your story is like super, super valuable. And like, if it's not, if you're not, if you're not sharing it with that person, like that's totally okay. And like, there are, there are other ways of sharing it if, and when you want to, but like, it's, it's such a valuable thing that like is worth taking seriously when somebody asks to hear it. Um, and especially when they're recording it for posterity. Um, so yeah, I agree. My thoughts. I agree, and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that I get to work with someone who's so thoughtful um, about oh, this. Speaking of other people, speaking of other people trusting um, uh, us to uh, to to get it right and do them justice, I think we have some guests at the door. Dan. Sounds like the McCoys are outside. We better let them in, Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get to it. But first, we got a pre-roll. Pre-roll. Bum, 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 bum. Hey gang, it's Art Gnome. Let's keep it real. Some people just bought NFTs just like they might have bought a fidget spinner or a pet rock. It's not something they take very seriously. But if you're a serious collector like I am, you know there are a lot of tools that are just missing in the space. I spent the last two years trying to build tools for serious NFT collectors like me. With a Club NFT subscription, you can find out how much your collection is worth, analyze potential risks, create a local backup and pin all your IPFS NFTs. That sounds kind of nerdy, but it's pretty important. Don't worry if you don't know what it means, we can help you out. You can also discover new artists based on your past collecting habits. Join thousands of other collectors who took the jump to managing their collection with Club NFT and don't forget to let me know what you think because I'd love to hear from you. If you're ready to get serious about collecting, why not try Club NFT? You'll be glad you did. It is an honor to introduce today's guests on The Dankness. We have Jennifer and Kevin McCoy, the Brooklyn-based Maverick art couple who have been producing works together for over two decades, which is an achievement in and of itself. Um, according to their site, McCoyspace.com, uh, their mixed media works extend from film and video to installation and generative software. Uh, their work often seeks to situate new technologies within our culture using contemporary tools and questioning their impact both on the individual and on the collective culture. The McCoys' artwork has been widely exhibited in the U.S. and internationally. Their exhibitions include the Pompidou Center in Paris, the Museum of Modern Art in New York, the British Film Institute, South Bank in London, a beautiful theater, uh, the Nevada Art Museum, the San Jose Museum of Art, the Addison Museum of American Art, the Sundance Film Festival, and many other venues in the US, Europe, and Asia. Their work can be seen in the collections of the Museum of Modern Art. Heard of it, Art Note? The uh, Metropolitan think, Museum think so. of Art. That, one, that one's pretty well known too. Uh, the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston, the Milwaukee Art Museum, the 21C Museum, and the Speed Museum. They received a Creative Capital Award in 2003, the Wired Rave Award for Art in 2005, a Guggenheim Fellowship in 2011, and a Headlands Alumni Award in 2014. 
Uh, their work is represented by the Postmasters Gallery in New York. In 2022, Kevin received a Webby Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences for co-developing the technology that eventually became as the first NFT. Heard of it? I recently had the opportunity to catch their work, Horror Chase, at the Postmasters Gallery in New York last week, and I was blown away by how ahead of the curve uh, the McCoys have seemed to be for a very long time now. Uh, less recently, I was able to collect some of their new artworks um, from a recent drop with Artworld called Land, Sea, Sky, which I think is an absolutely beautiful drop and, and definitely worth your time. Uh, you can learn more about the McCoys and follow their updates at McCoyspace.com and on Twitter at McCoyspace. <clears throat> I left their bio super, super long because they're, they're, there is so much to talk about. Uh, they, they are not new to the space, to the scene at all. Um, and, and we're definitely gonna dig into that today with them. Jennifer and Kevin, thank you so, so much for being here with us. Ah, great to be here. Are we, are we old Happy new media? <laughs> we're old new media. We're old yeah. new media. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I gave this presentation um, a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and I said that in the 90s, we were called media artists. In the aughts, we were called new media artists. In the teens, we were called digital artists, and then now we're called NFT artists. But the work, the perspective, has always kind of stayed the same throughout all of that. I, yeah. It's just kind of funny. You can you can you can sort of see that I think in different ways as you trace the lineage of your work. But I, I think as as one place to start, I guess not to necessarily rehash history in like a linear necessary storytelling way. But I am curious as as to like the the lineage of questions you guys have been chasing. Um, and, and maybe how that's developed through the years, especially maybe as, as and I, I don't know, I don't want to presume, but I would suspect the, the, the world kind of around you of artists has maybe started asking similar to que questions to ones that you've been pursuing for quite some time. So I'm curious if that's sort of a, a way to start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's funny because I think that our, I think that our, um, I feel like we usually have a kind of simple uh, approach, a kind of simple algorithm that kind of drives a thing. And it's sort of like, take a thing and take another thing and set them next to each other and see what happens. Or take a thing and then do this one thing to the thing and then see what happens, you know? So it's this kind of pretty simple um, equation, you know, that you try to find out, I guess. In, yeah. In modern <laughs> well, yeah. <clears throat> I think that's yeah. true. <laughs> And there's some sort of research and development and where does, you know, research and development rub up against culture. And to me, there's always something interesting that pops up when there's a new technology where you can talk to people who are super interested in it and then other people that are afraid of it. And I think that's where you know that there's like a wrinkle in the culture that needs to be ironed out. And sometimes artists are a really great strategy to help just tease out, like, is this a speculation of total doom or is this freedom? Like, where are we? So uh, I feel like that's kind of where we try to operate, where if you don't engage with it at all, you can't work that out, um, except in a really oblique way. So I think that's why we keep heading to technology not to solve any kind of aesthetic problem, but to kind of like figure out where the culture, you know, it's not where it's going, but like where people 
are thinking about how to integrate all of this change into our, our lives. This is art. Get it? Must be. Must be disembodied <laughs> voice. Thank you, disembodied voice. <laughs> Kevin, I, I mean, I, you know, a lot of a lot of people listening may not have seen, you know, like the YouTube video from from Rhizome. Um, <laughs> and what was that? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. yeah, 10 um, years next year. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah to, to sort of maybe drop in there for a second. I mean, can, can you talk a bit about what that, what that moment was? What, what you thought you were doing at that moment? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that moment actually was uh, a, a culmination. And it was really this time in, in 2013 that, you know, I started to have this kind of, this idea, this kind of peculiar um, idea. And, and up into that time, like 2012, 2012 is when I, it kind of fall of 2012 is when I uh, really started paying attention to Bitcoin. And the whole, and for me, the whole story starts with Bitcoin. It starts with Satoshi. It starts with the Bitcoin white paper. And, um, you know, and, and then, you know, just that kind of struggle to get your head around what was, what was going on and, um, you know, with it and how did it, how does it work and why does it work and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, for, for me, it was pretty simple in the sense that once I realized that Satoshi had created a model of digital uniqueness, <clears throat> digital scarcity and digital uniqueness, <clears throat> once that invention was there, then, you know, for me coming at this from an art, you know, as an artist and as a kind of you know, digital artist, you know, media artist, whatever, it was pretty, <clears throat> I just had this very, really simple question of like, what if that Bitcoin was an artwork? Like what, you know, what if that Bitcoin was an artwork or what, you know, or, you know, if you, you know, how could that artwork be like a Bitcoin? And, and, and that was the question that came to my mind really like, you know, 10 years ago, spring of summer of 2013. Um, and then I was really, you know, just, you know, pretty obsessed. I hate using that word obsessed because it's totally overused, but I was pretty obsessed about it. And um, the, uh, um, but, but, but in isolation, you know, it was just like, there wasn't an there wasn't really an IRL community. I was like I was trying to do local Bitcoin selling, you know, on the corners, so like meet setting up these meets on the corner to sell Bitcoin because I was trying to meet people, you know. So it was just like I used to hey, make him bring the dog. Like just, where just where bring would you the go? dog. What corners were you on, Kevin? <laughs> I was uh, it was it was in Greenpoint, and uh, you know, I'd go meet down at the meet meet at the Dunkin' Donuts in Greenpoint. Did that a few times, and. Then I slowly realized that it's like, oh, these people are, are I hate to use the cliche, but it actually was pretty true. It's like, oh, these people are drug dealers. I probably should stop. But it was, um, but, but, uh, but anyway, so otherwise it was just sort of this kind of weird isolated thought, you know, process. And so, um, and then, you know, and I talked to Rhizome about it, you know, the, the digital art organization that hosted the event. And, you know, I, we've been a part of that organization since the, since the beginning, Jen used to be on the board of it. And, you know, they're really our New York community on the art, on the art side, um, art and technology side. And so, you know, I'd been talking to Michael Connor and uh, Lauren Cornell, who was the uh, director at the time, you know, just casually about this thing I was thinking about this idea. And Michael said, Oh, we'll bring this to seven on seven. We'll have you come and present this at seven on seven. Um, and, and then, that was in May of 14. So that became, that became like the opening, right? That was the show. Mm. So it was like, okay, that's going to be the show. That's where this is, that's where this is going. And so, um, you know, I could, it just kind of like, you know, I approached it like any other kind of art exhibition. Right. And so there, you know, we, I met Anil, you know, they paired me up with Anil, Anil Dash and, um, 
you know, and I said, oh, hey, I've got this idea for how to do digital provenance, uh, you know, with the, with, the, with the blockchain. And he goes, oh, that sounds great. Let's do it. Awesome. You know, and so um, it was really pretty straightforward, honestly. The, um, you know, the, the, the model that I proposed um, was really straightforward. And we spent most of our time just thinking of how, what to call it, what to name it. Uh, and, and the whole like kind of thing was just sitting around and having laughing about the new top level domain names that would just kind of come out dot bike <laughs> and all this other kind of stuff. Oh, wow. uh, and we saw dot graphics and we were like monetized graphics. <laughs> you know, that, so that was the, that was the eureka moment. It's like, this is monetized graphics. Uh, and um, you know, that, that then became monograph. So that was, that was the work <laughs> was coming up with the name and making it. And then he knew, you know, um, so I knew that, that the blockchain, it, re it required zero blockchain programming. And, um, and, and it really was just a conceptual, it was just a data model, a conceptual data model that, that kind of had certain properties to it. And you, and you kind of think through this sort of proof chain, this sort of social proof chain that, 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 that can make the concept believable. You know, and then the uniqueness comes from the, you know, the blockchain itself. And then it was just a question of making, you know, coming up with a name and then making this tool that other people could use that would produce the metadata record that people could, you know, we didn't have any, of course, there's no wallet integration or anything like that. So it was just about kind of the, 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 the on, on ramp to the, to the process. And we wrote software and launched software on that first day that did that. And he, you know, knew all about that. You know, I didn't, you know, I mean, I've, I've done, you know, coding in various forms, but I'm not a web developer, you know? And so, mm -hmm. and he's like, oh yeah, we can use Heroku. And I'm like, what's Heroku? And he's like, oh yeah, no problem. And we can just do this in PHP and we'll connect the Twitter API and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, awesome. Um, so, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so we, so we put this whole presentation together and he is just like a master communicator, Camille. He's just an awesome dude and a master communicator. So, you know, he put together, you know, we you know made this kind of, whole kind of presentation. And so it just couldn't have asked for a better um, platform, right, to, to, to kind of, you know, launch this idea, you know, out into the kind of digital art community. Um, and, and it was cool, you know, I, mean, I, thought, and I thought it was a cool idea. And I was really super excited that we got the tool up and going and that it was there. Um, you know, and, but, and people were like into it, you know, but it was just kind of like, oh, that's cool. You know, and then we went to, we were the last people in the, in the evening. And then we went to the after party and, you know, it was not like this parting of the seas or something. Happened. Except for that one guy. Do you remember that one guy who yeah, stood up guy. in the audience? Yeah, right the very, he, I don't know if it's on the, um, the YouTube video. It is. It's, it's at the very tail end of the Yeah. Video. You can hear this guy oh, going, do you realize what has just happened? And, yeah, and one guy got like, it. He goes, Wait I've been looking at this stuff for a long time. And he goes, and I want you to know, you know, we just saw something important here. You know? Wow. <laughs> so it's like. So there's one guy off, in the one room. One guy, hats off, to that, hats off to that guy. I love that. So, and, and so Jen, I love, sure. I love what you said future. earlier, though, about sort of the, sort of like leaning into the fear, sort of like this projected fear uh, of tech, right? And sort of like. <laughs> Bringing it back there, and I mean, for me, I'm, I'm sort of all about trying to humanize <laughs> what's happening here, no matter how sort of tech it gets, right? And I guess in that, you know, after that experience, you know, this sort of launch happens in this room, and there's, there's one guy in that room that's like, do you realize, do you understand what happened? <laughs> what has it been like to sort of be working in this space and then, and then sort of see the tidal wave from that moment that is sort of more or less apathetic 
grow to something that is like reached a fever pitch in in all directions right like now there's an incredible amount of fear and in all of it you know yeah yeah well i mean first you see that the slow like bubbling of the potential you know like i bought kevin a t-shirt that said ask me about blockchain technology because I kept like finding him at parties, <laughs> like sitting in the back with like a raft group of artists. Because, you know, coming from digital art, you know, sure, we love experimentation and we've had, you know, there's been opportunities with many digital curators and museums that you have named. Um, but I do think for like a, a burgeoning group of people who knew a lot about making images with software in this digitally native way, they hadn't had a way to figure out how to make a living. And so there were people just like, eventually, like after Ethereum and, you know, OpenSea and the foundation and everybody else popped up, who we were just like, dude, thank you. You know, I have been able to pay my mortgage, buy a skateboard, like whatever level that they're at. Um, right. um, but then, you know, all the scams and things like that are also part of that. But, you know, my reaction is we're from the art world. We're used to bubble economies based on almost nothing. And that is, you know, the date that we came in with. So uh, it's not like shockingly surprising art that like excitement can be generated by, you know, hype and also substance and meaning and that figuring out how to untangle that hairball is, you know, what what we're trained to do, you know, as artists and curators and art professionals, you know, you don't always guess right. Um, but, you know, we're not here to be people's financial advisors. We're just trying to make interesting work. Um, and so, you know, in a way, it's awesomely appealing that, you know, now the people who are talking about it are pretty much talking about how to make interesting work. And how to keep working rather than how to like be a billionaire. Which, this is art, dude. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Duh. I like that I talk to the sound effects. <laughs> or, no, my I want to I want to turn it to you because you know I, the McCoys are film people, and I have an endless list of questions that I could get into that could get very very granular with them quick. So, yeah, no, I think, uh, I, and I hope it goes that direction too. I, I I will throw my art nerd card on the table too. So I'm of the same vintage where I went to grad school for new media. And I think, you know, being from that generation, there's something like unique and awesome, you know, the sort of the the Joshua Davises and the Leah's and the Casey Reese's. And and I actually didn't learn about the McCoys from, um, from NFTs um, and sort of, you know, that side. It was in grad school in 2007 or eight, I think, um, you know, studying new media and their work, in some ways, and I can kind of appreciate this and kind of not, like they were fairly well known within a, a subset of um, media nerds and artists, media artists, it's fair to say, yeah. And now um, super well known, but for a different thing. If you're a media nerd like me, like a three decade media nerd, like they're known more for taking films and breaking them up um, and, and sort of rebringing them back together as like, you know, exploring databases and these technologies and like, you know, I, even in, in prep for this, I'm like, oh, I should go, you know, check what it says about them online. And it mentions like Lev Manovich, who was like the god back then that gave yeah. us the 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 foundation through which to understand 
media, right? So I was having flashbacks to like grad school and thinking like, well, in a way, it's great that they've got this um, attention, right, for for NFTs and, you know, things have become so popular. But in another way, it has to be, and I'll pose this more as a question, it has to be sort of frustrating, too, that you become sort of one-dimensional um, when the bulk of your work to people that are in the space that knew you before, you know, this is really just one, really is one small, small part of it. And totally. I, yeah. I don't think that that's unique to, to the two of you either. Maybe, you know, as someone who's been known to be a cheerleader for NFTs for the last five years, one of the things that I lament, right, is that maybe we see that universally, that people have been kind of narrowed down to like whatever mm. the latest drop is or something <clears throat> like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I would love to hear how that feels, Um you know, to have one small aspect be the thing that people seem to identify with, even if it's not necessarily, and I don't want to jump to conclusions, the thing that you identify yourselves with being the most representative of your work. No, I mean, absolutely. It's totally true. And, and you know, and also it's like, as, as, my, as I kind of recounted in my story a second ago, it was 10 years ago, right? It was like, you know, it was a long time ago that I was like massively, you know, obsessed with this idea and all the ins and outs of it, you know, which isn't to say I'm not interested now or moved on, whatever, but it's like, you know, it's like your, your creative attention goes, floats around and there's you know thing, different things that you're interested in and you kind of, you know, do projects and then move on from those projects, you know? Um, but then it, it is, it is certainly, you know, it, it is certainly strange to have, you know, quantum be the kind of tail that wags the whole dog, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, and it's weird in a couple of ways. I mean, I'm super proud of that work. Don't get me wrong. It's like fantastic. I love that image. I love, you know, I love the kind of the story and you know, I'm really proud of, 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 of what, it, what it is. Um, but you know, that's certainly not our style. It's kind of like abstract generative mm-hmm. thing It's not a style that we've really been kind of working with. And, we, our whole practice is a collaborative practice. And there was this kind of this one weird idea, you know, that became kind of, you know, kind of my idea. And that's been, you know, challenging to navigate in the, you know, you know, in the kind of, in this sort of latter day hype cycle that it's like, oh no, the whole journey has been Jennifer and Kevin McCoy. And there's this kind of this, you know, one weird trick, uh, you know, kind of moment, um, you know, with, uh, you know, surrounding, you know, kind, kind of the monograph concept and, 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 and quantum, you know, so, um, but it also at the same time, it's like, you were just, we just kind of do our work. We're kind of like interested in our ideas and we pursue them. And, you know, sometimes I work is good and sometimes the work is bad, you know, so I guess we're not, my, my point is we're not dwelling on, you know, kind of these various pitfalls or complaints or something like that. Yeah. Right? And so I don't the, know. The work goes on. We know a lot of people in this town and I feel like, for every person who's like, I heard you did a thing. I just wait until I understand who they are and what they're talking about. Because for every one of those people who are like NFTs, oh my God, there's another person who's like, oh yeah, uh, you know, I just saw that, you know, you guys did something with the Whitney. Tell me about what's an NFT again, you know, because there are painter friends that we've known forever. Or, you know, I'm a painter, should I do NFTs? What's going on, you know? So I do think that we get used to people who are basically living online and then we forget that there's like a massive chunk that just really don't care about that and are like, tell me about what your drawing practice is this week or whatever the other projects we're doing, you know, because we've made three films in between the time that quantum happened. 
you know, and so there's that as well. Which, which, which work do you, do you most like talk, talking about or, or sort of talk about least? Cause I mean, on my list, again, I just saw, I saw a horror chase and like, I'm, I'm that it's a brilliant work. I think for anybody who like lives it's in New awesome York piece. city, if they, if you oh, wow. can still catch it at the gallery, very, very worth checking out. It's terrifying. And <laughs> the more you hang with it, the more anxious you yeah. start feeling. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I want to open it up. And if, you know, if there, if there is something yeah, else. That, that piece is really designed for um, prolonged viewing. I mean, well, it's, it, I mean, I guess uh, or thinking about that, we, this is something we thought explicitly about, you know, sort of early on with, you know, with sort of like, you know, like, interactive work to use that term lightly, you know, mm. including installation or, you know, directly interactive works or whatever. It was like, what in the, what, what in the piece can appeal in this short time frame? You know, what can the piece say in this very short time frame? What can the piece say in this kind of middle time frame? And what can the piece say in the long time frame? You know, and just imagining the viewer in these different modes and these kind of different time modes what you know can you can you speak to them in that in 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 that way and and horror chase totally works you know at at this um i think at 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 all of those um, at at all of those levels you know and so that the 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 piece you know was from dates from 2002 uh is when we first showed it uh, and it's alive. I'm shocked, by the way. Like after after I yeah. saw it, and then I like, and then I looked at the thing, or I had the the paper, and then I yeah. looked, and then I was like, wait, what? There, wait, what? Yeah. Like no, it's alive. Yeah, it's and it's a live edit, right? So it's it's an algorithmic edit fr- yeah. of footage that we shot um, on 16 millimeter film, and um, and then we we re-engineered it, we re- rebuilt it. Um, you know, for this this current exhibition, and so that meant that we went back to the original 16 millimeter film, and we had it laser scanned, uh, which you know is like 24 hour. It's like nothing, right? You just go to this Bushwick, and they give them the film, and they get the next day. Here's your like you know 50 gigabyte file of ProRes, blah blah blah, and you know, and then it's there. And you have this 4K thing, and it's like you know from the film, it's totally beautiful. And then we, yeah. and then our, you know, we have a bunch of friends in the film industry, and a friend we know does. He's a color corrector, a colorist guy, and we went over to his studio and like you dub up the color correction, you know, so it just looks totally awesome. And um, you know, and then and then rewriting the software, and you know, in two thousand two, we uh, it was written using Director. It was written in Lingo, and um, you know, it's a live edit, so um, you can't, you know, you can stream it off the disc, and everything had to be in RAM. And we had the, the frames were 320 pixels by 240 pixels was the size back then. And we could fit in four takes, four different kind of, um, you know, kind of runs of the actor through the space. Uh, and that was it. Right. And so now uh, we have these 4K frames and it's just like effortless to have the, you know, I rewrote it in Python, whatever. It was just this, and it's just effortless to kind of just, and we streamed all of it. We, we or we, now we, we included more takes from the original. And so it was just so fun to see the piece just come to life in this way that it never had been before. You know, mm-hmm. it just really looked good and it well, was really enjoyable yeah. and satisfying to see it well, and the NFTs have NFTs have opened up the conversation about software-driven work. And so what's so cool about like standing around at that opening was that people who would not have understood what an algorithm is or what algorithmic like playback of files could be or software-driven art could be like 
for the last 20 years, I feel like they've been like, oh, cool. But they had no idea what was really happening. But we had a, you know, friend who's a lawyer and she was like, oh, so how did this used to play back? Like what, you know, did it, was it just a video? And I was like, no, the algorithm is from 20 years ago as well. And she was like, what? Like, what do you mean that was possible? And I was like, just barely, but yes. Um, and so <laughs> I just loved that conversation. And it just sort of shows why, like, yeah, you just have to keep talking about ideas because it's one thing for two people to have a conversation where we all know what's happening. And it's another thing for an entire culture to go, oh, here's the possibilities of what you know, computers add to cinema in this case, you know. Well, and, and, and you know, and it's and it's an approach to generative, you know, n- nowadays, you know, you say generative, and, you know, and Artblocks has kind of, you know, pioneered a certain concept of generative, and, you know, and that approach goes back to, you know, P5 and goes back to processing and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, but it's, you know, it's it's generative in this kind of like line and graphic kind of way, you know, there's a kind of feel to to a lot of it, you know, and and this is, photographs you know these are these are video this is like you know cinematic you know cinema meets algorithm and mm-hmm. um you know and and that's and that's not um a, 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 people don't often think about that in a, in a kind of generative context you know this kind of dynamic live edit you know um mon- filmic you know, na- context frankly yeah 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 yeah, it yeah. wedges I mean, itself out of all categories that people generally speak of <laughs> it was a category that was made that made that had a lot of traction in the early aughts you know mm. there was there was a bunch of artists you know and a bunch of big name artists you know doing kind of film-based work cinema-based work engaging that in a kind of art art capacity you know douglas gordon and pierre huig and uh, candice brights and uh i don't know who else Jen? paul pfeiffer oh paul pfeiffer of course maybe yeah, Bjorn yeah. you know and, um, yeah art yeah. Art is. yeah. And so, um, you know, where, where it was this kind of like art plus film, you know, kind of rubric mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, the sun is set on that, you know, kind of period. And, um, you know, and those artists continue to make good work and whatever. But so, th- so it's in- it was interesting for us to kind of in showing it again and now, you know, just, in- you know, just re- seeing the legibility of it to the, to the audience, you know, people's uh, familiarity yeah. with film and with film language and with, watching film and, and and having that as a kind of background set of experiences that they then bring to watching our our piece you know our piece sits on top of the history of film in a way you know and i think you know in, in the, the piece is all about genre i mean here we're talking about this for five minutes or ten minutes and you know just to describe it it's this endless chase sequence of this guy running through this tight cabin with the camera chasing him and sometimes it flips backwards and he's chasing you and it's this kind of endless back and forth permutation of this guy running through this cabin. And um, it's styled after a chase sequence from Sam Raimi's film, Evil Dead 2. And we rebuilt, you know, kind of carefully mapped out the, the, the set by watching it kind of frame by frame and then rebuilt it on a soundstage when we were young and energetic and thought, <laughs> this will be great. We could do we'll this. Build it. <laughs> We could do this, <laughs> um, you know, and so, um, you know, so the, so the piece is a genre piece. It's about it's about this kind of horror genre kind of distilled down to this essence, like horror equals chase, you know, is the, um, you know, is, is kind of the uh, implied algorithm of the title. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, but in the end, it's like it's just really enjoyable to watch. You know, it's just constantly changing constantly staying the same and you're just locked in this kind of claustrophobic 
space, but there's hints of kind of comedy in the performance, you know, and kind of absurdity, you know. Um, so it's, it, it, I don't know, it kind of captures it. it. You know, it's like it the piece, you know, it's one of those times where it all kind of came together, the stars aligned, and you're like, yeah. But so that's why it was so great to revisit it and kind of do this big blow up. And, um, you know, so we couldn't have been happier with the whole I must warn you. Thing. Things yeah, it looks great. The, the actual gallery itself, too, is, is yeah, fantastic. yeah, good like, fit, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's screened pretty big. But to some, like, you might be sort of caught in this sort of Cassandra esque hamster wheel, too, in a way. And, you know, you've been making art for decades. And I guess, like, for for artists uh, that are that are sort of like listening to our conversation right now, I and for myself, um, I guess I'm, I'm curious as to like if this is something conscious that you practice, um, or or if this, some, this is something that you can articulate at all. But how you how you sort of keep an authentic curiosity about things, like how you how you sort of really allow yourself to stay liberated in wandering into like whatever land yeah. you kind of find yourself in no it's that's a great that's a great question and it's and it's you know it's kind of the critical question you know for 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 artists you know in some ways that's the only the only question you know how do you keep going right and the answer is like don't stop right that's the, that's the answer <laughs> is don't, don't stop just just keep going um but you know at the at the kind of practical level um you know and especially living in a place like new york city where it's you know it's it's very challenging to live here, you know, um, at a material level, you know, it, it, it has many, many rewards, but it is a crusher to live here. And I'll never forget with somebody that gave us this advice 25 years ago. And that, and, they, and she said, control your living expenses, get, you know, be able to get into some kind of a situation where you can control your living expenses. And that usually here, that means rent. You know, that means you're that, you know, that means, you know, rent, you know, however, there's a billion different angles, you know, but like control your living expenses and, you know, and, and keep those expenses low. And, you know, and if that means have a day job or something like that to kind of like cover it, but like have that kind of living expense, isn't it such a basic kind of, you know, you know, it's like, it's like, make your bed, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's like, control your living expenses. Um, but honestly, that's, you know, that, 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 that's super critical. Um, and then, you know, that, that, um, you know, but on the kind of art side of it, on the making side of it, you know, you can't count on, you can't count on anything, right? You can't count on exhibitions or sales or shows or momentum or, you know, whatever you, you can, you can, you can build a circle of friends, and you can make art with your friends and kind of for your friends and for your immediate community and for feedback in that kind of tight loop. And that can happen now in virtual ways, you know, that are much more robust than, you know, kind of when we were getting started, but you, that, but that's it. You know, it's like, you don't, don't stop, keep, keep looking and, you know, keep making stuff for your friends um, and then just keep going, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, artists are always, you know, the job of the artist is to look out at the landscape, you know, that that's what artists do, you know, and they, they, you know, portraiture and landscape, right? It's like looking and then making something that reports back about that, about that act of looking. That's, that's it, you know? So now, of course, those landscapes are virtual, they're digital, they're disembodied, they're kind of hybrid, physical, digital, you know, it's like, there's just, you know, the details of the world around us are so freaking odd, you know, that um, there's a lot to look at. But in the end, it's still this kind of landscape or portraiture reportage, you know, and it's like, just do it. Just I mean, you guys are, are kind of like outliers, like twice or thrice over in that 
making art super hard, right? So like the hundreds of people I went to art school, like, I don't know, 5% of them still make work, right? Staying scary. married is kind of hard, right? Like, I don't know, divorce <laughs> yeah. is like 50, 50%, right? Right. Yeah. Making art with like with your spouse over decades, um, like makes you, I think, maybe one of a kind. There's like the, the Eames or whatever, you know, I'm trying to yeah. think of like historical examples, right? Um, so yeah, what, I mean, what is that like? Like I, you know, my wife's in the room next door and like, you know, like any married couple, we've been together. Neither of us remember the exact year, so I won't get in trouble for this, but I think it's like 17 years. And like, yeah. you have the, the joyous moments, but every day also has the small negotiations around like who's going to unload the dishwasher, right? So when you're having these bold, exciting moments where you're trying to make art together, but someone has to like, you know, clean the, the bathtub or whatever. Like, how does that, how do you vacillate back and forth between those conversations and, and stay yeah. excited and work together, you know, this many years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think that like having art as a constant conversation or our projects as a conversation is good. I mean, there's just a limit is how pissed off you can be when there's like a deadline looming and things have to get kind of solved. So you, maybe you learn like a lot of communication and collaboration skills. Um, I think I think that's part of it. Um, and also, you know, it, it's like there's sort of fits and starts. You know, we we work fairly project based, and so things can be like hairy for a month or two, and then you pop up and solve all your problems, and you know, clean under the refrigerator a little bit and start over again. So. Um, I, I mean, that's one reason I kind of like film that process of just like bursts of energy. You're doing a shoot and then you're editing and, you know, the kind of workflow changes and that I think keeps everything a little bit fresh, um, you know, and it's also possibly why our projects are spanning so many different kinds of things is, you know, that also is a way to like keep introducing new people into the studio and new ideas that, um, you know, can kind of sustain it that way. Um, also, you know, my short answer to that is like, you both have to quit at the same time and no one's wanted to quit at the same time. You know, like if I want to quit mm -hmm. one day, Kevin's like, no, I it'll be great. <laughs> and when he wants to quit, I'm like, oh, let's just do one more thing. So there's a lot of uh, <laughs> mutual like uh, approval for taking risks, you know. Like, I think this is bullshit. This looks like nothing. And the other person's like, well, yeah, but there's some really interesting aspects to it. Let's not shelve that right so quick. Um, you know, and I think that that is really interesting, even for artists who don't collaborate, but are sort of in the same circle. Like, I've read that about Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns, you know, that it was like mutual support um, for taking risks um, that sort of helped both artists kind of like, you know, get to the get to the studio every day. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, you know, and, and I think this is, this is a, a danger in the, in the NFT world because it's such an online, you know, very online um, world. And it's like, your work does not get made in fucking discord room. It does not get made on Twitter, you know? Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe you, maybe you've got some magic Twitter algorithm that's pulling it in and you're doing this kind of text collage, you know, but I doubt it, you know? So it's like, yeah. put your fucking phone down and 
start working, you know, do, do your work. And your work isn't like a conversation that's, you know, it's like, no, it's like, you're trying to figure out some sort of question and you're trying to like pose this answer to it. And you, maybe you don't know what the question is. So it's like, you're just kind of fucking around, messing around, but it's just like, you know, you need to push that world away. Even if your work is all about digging, you know, going right up the, you know, to the hilt of, of, of this kind of, you know, you know, kind of virtual, you know, world that we're in, it's like, you got to turn that off to make your work. You have to work. And, um, you know, so, you know, you have to be willing to kind of be a hermit, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and kind of hunker down and, and you will and take art, do some stuff, you know, art. you know, and it's like, and this is what I love about art, art making. It's like, it's not, you know, art, art, art really, um, you know, so often art sells itself short, you know, it kind of like, Oh, it's a brand partnership. You know, it's like, oh, it's a collab with the blah, 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 like, blah, you know, this, or, you know, or I'm just so, you know, happy to be, you know, thank you for bequeathing this honor to me to like, you know, say my thing. It's like, yeah, no, no, you're like at a kind of like basic, you know, you're at this kind of like life and death, blood and guts level of, you know, human expression. And it's not about kind of papering over some, you know. I don't know, you know, whatever brand partnership or relationship. God bless all the brand partnerships. Knock yourself out. Love them. But it's like, come on, don't fool yourself that that's what you're doing, what your art making is. It's it's different. And that's what, you know, artists, art's stuck around since the dawn of humanity because it's actually doing something different. So give yourself the space to find out and experience directly what that other thing is and figure out how to put that in your work. That's like, what is happening? I, I love that, and I think it's sort of telling <laughs> that that your your bio, I believe, on your um, your site, um, actually, it's not Kevin's bio and Jen's bio or Jen's bio. And Ke- it's kind of like your bio as as a team, okay. right? As yeah. uh, which, I mean, I have seen other art couples, right? Where it's like, you know, can we all just take a moment and acknowledge that artists generally you have to have a pretty big ego to survive, right? So, and, and I think often it's there like you're fighting the impulse that people aren't caring enough and like and you'll push forward. So I think there's something telling about seeing your bio as a team rather than sort of individual bios that that's um, comforting, I guess, or, or reassuring, or, or yeah, kind I mean, of you're, you're maybe making, speaks to it. You're making a third body of work. You know, it's like there's this new thing that is different than what you know, you would do on your own or what the other person would do on their own. And it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a third body of work. And so um, that only could happen this way. And you have to believe in that and kind of, kind of commit to that. Before we head to the next segment, I do want to know, you know, what, what it is that that you're working on now, how much you can tell us about that. Um, Again, like the, the drop that, that recently happened, I guess it was a few months ago with art world now um, is it's, it's beautiful. Thank Um, you. And, and I, I love that project. So we're doing yeah, a couple it's, it's of things. Um, that work came together fairly quickly, and um, while well, we yes and no, we we had set the basis for it for a while. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. But I just meant that, that we started on it in a fairly digital mode, um, yeah. with a few experiments on paper. Um, so we have a um, a residency coming up in July, and we're sort of challenging ourselves to like revisit you know some of the uh, compositional strategies and collage strategies of Lancy Sky that do those um, in sort of offline spaces like collages and drawings and paintings. Um, so that's what we're up to uh, in the in the studio residency. And 
we're putting together a body of work to show in Berlin in September, which hopefully this will be the, you know, the driving force of, or we'll get to Maine and it'll just change completely and we'll do something else. But, um, but that's, <laughs> but that's the strategy is to kind of, um, you know, I, I think one thing that was really useful when we started showing with a gallery is that they were like, okay, well, you think that you understand this material and this strategy, but what if you made like, you know, a whole show of these, you know, one-offs that you just experimented with and to just sort of slow it down and to kind of explore it more fully. So um, given that we loved, you know, that drop and we, you know, had so much fun talking to people who, um, you know, participated with it in different ways, we just wanted to extend that back into the studio and see what else we can do with that, um, with the underlying themes. Brilliant. Yeah, it'll be fun. I cannot wait to see more. Arnum, you know what sound that is? You know what that means? I, mean, I get I get it wrong. It's a 50-50 chance that I would get this right, Dan, but I get it wrong. I ask every you time. every time. It's, it's, it's either a pre-roll or 20 questions. I'm going to say it's a, a pre-roll. It's That's both, 20 questions. Really. Oh, okay, it's both. It's, it's 22 both. questions, but first we have a pre-roll. All right, fair, fair. Song and dance, last recording playing. Complete examination. McCoy's waiting. In a world where digital art has been historically undervalued, one film is here to set the record straight. Featuring over 100 artists, collectors, and developers, each an important voice in the NFT community, partially funded with the cutest NFT project you've ever seen, Depop Studios presents I'm New Here. Learn more and mint your newbie today at newhere.xyz. Right, so now for everybody's favorite seg segment, 22-ish questions, where we ask somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 random questions to our guests in an attempt to understand them in maybe a different way than you normally get to hear about them from more traditional interviews. Uh, the rules, well, there aren't really any rules, but if there are any <laughs> questions that you don't want to answer, just tell us, I don't want to answer that, or we can come back to it. Um, Dan was mentioning during the break, this is our first time doing 22 questions with two people. So we have provided no guidance on how to uh, manage this task. It will just happen in Absolutely real time. Zero. zero guidance. And it will happen, or we'll kick it off with question number one, which is, what did you eat for breakfast? Fruit salad. Uh, scrambled eggs. I was worried there for a second, Dan. I, I, I have to <laughs> before we get to two. And I we love always have some. We always have some form of eggs. And when you said fruit salad, this was going to be the first episode with no eggs. Oh. So I am totally. glad I almost got, missed it. We, we got eggs in there as well. To be clear, Kevin <laughs> also made me eggs, so I actually ate both. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's so. As nice. long as there's eggs in there. All right. Sorry, Dan. Go I ahead. We were, we, we, 
Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Fun no. For the two of you actually. Oh, I was gonna say we were too late for breakfast burritos at the, at the at our deli down the street because it was after ten, and we we're like, ah, oh, shit. So I went home and made kind of like makeshift breakfast burritos. Were they better uh, or worse like than morning. the ones down the street? It was very basic. It was, it was, it was, no, the ones, you know, come on, you go to the deli, it's like, you know, they're going to give you a whole, like. Yeah, we live in Grand Point. It's a, the home yeah. of artisanal burritos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> now it is. Now it is. <laughs> and waste annotation. Eggs. <laughs> Question day, number eggs. two is going to be good. Describe the state of your bed right now. Oh. Oh, it's, it's, it's semi-made. Oh, no, it's really rumpled, made. Not... No, it's super made right now. It's, it's like good. lovely. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Today is our twice-weekly totally home domestication intervention uh, uh, intervention. Day. Oh, so like this is the, this is the day. This is the, the day. Yeah. Really yeah. Cleaned this up. is yep. the one. Oh, wow. Catching this you on a good it. day. Fed from breakfast Catching. with made bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally now, the... Does domestic day change week to week, or do you have it on a calendar? It's like Tuesday, every other Tuesday. Tuesday, every other Tuesday. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's rare. Oh, that's my turn, right, Dan? Sorry, I was still thinking about domestic day. I was all right. Uh, Domestic intervention. Pencil or domestic Domestic intervention day? Yeah, I'm gonna try to introduce that. Did did. First, you invent the the NFT, and then you invent Domestic Intervention Day. Which one will have a larger impact on the world is is yet to be seen. We shall see. Um, Please calm down. Pencil or pen and preferred brand? Uh, Sharpie pen for me. Love. American-made, yeah. I do like like pencil. Um, I do like pencil. Kevin's got um, his nine dollar pencils from the art supply store. Yeah, I've got I've got a number of pencils here to choose from. Um, this one is a Kimberly. It's a good pencil. That's a pretty pencil. Um, yeah, I've got a bunch of pencils here. A bunch of pens too. There's nine plenty of dollars. Nine dollar pencil. I don't, I don't think it's nine dollar pencil. Maybe. <laughs> you could buy oh, a this lot one's of good too. Blackwing. This is this is this is the this is this is the you know Blackwing. That's the totally insane pencil. That's it the looks um, nice. Yeah, that's nice. That awesome. is a that's really a nice black one. Didn't they fund the Iraq War? Oh, that's black. It's <laughs> black. black rock. It's black, black rock. Black rock or black black um no no the Blackstone. The, the, Blackstone. Black, no uh um, <laughs> yeah the private military contract. Yeah, black, all uh, of pencils, That's why it costs not pencils. That, like, that's why it costs nine dollars. Yeah, right? you can't fund a war on on fifty cent pencils. It's like John Wick. They just like go after people with pencils. Yeah, it's a John Wick pencil. <laughs> How old were you when you received your first computer? Mm. Um, I was in the 10th grade of high school. And it was an Apple IIe. Well, I didn't receive it. The family got one. Uh For me, my first computer wasn't even a computer. It was a printer that had a three-page memory. It was like brother, and it, it was, was a typewriter. It was a typewriter. It was a typewriter. Yeah, it was a typewriter. Oh wow! Yeah, with and a printer cool. with a three-page memory. Yeah. Interesting that n- none of those typewriter companies really made it, you know, it, as like the primary PC companies or like or like Xerox for that matter, right. or all the things they invented, right? Yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. no sense. It's it makes true. no sense. 
It's true. Uh, favorite favorite writer, author, or speaker? I guess you can pick one. Or wow. Touch on all three. Yeah. I want to see Kevin's head explode with this question. Yeah, we go <laughs> we go straight from what you have for breakfast to who's your favorite writer, author, Gotta speaker. You know. Right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. Well, just go ahead. You go. I'm gonna claim J.P. Ballard. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a good one. And I'm going to, I'm gonna, maybe related, I'm going to say William Burroughs because of when I was reading him and the kind of like pivotal time and, you know, kind of his role in my mind uh, at that kind of pivotal time, William Burroughs, J.G. Ballard. Yeah, totally. We, we don't, yeah. I mean, there's a long, there's a long list, but, but those are good. Those are good. What's your favorite arcade game? Mm. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> that arcade a game? Great question. Centipede for me. Arcade game. Yeah, no, that's a good centipede. one. That's a what good one. Thank you. That was quick. Jeez, so, so Defender was, you know, was one, but then it was another one that my friends and I were just, you know, nuts about, and that was Crazy Climber. Um, but it's a pretty niche one, but we played Crazy Climber a lot. Mm. Um, so, Defender or Crazy Climber? Mm, old school. I like it. That's, oh, yeah, that's my vibe. Yeah. My yeah, vibe. Um, favorite pizza topping, least favorite pizza topping? <laughs> really important. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I am a fan of the uh, of the Hawaiian pizza. I'm not going to say that's my favorite, but, you know, it's, it's in such a kind of like, poli- you know, political and polemical mm. stance. Yes or Divisive. no. Um, I am in the, I am in the yes category of the, uh, you know, um, the pineapple, you know, on the on, on the pizza. Mm. The ham so and pineapple combo. I like a yeah, little fried eggplant. That's cool. I don't have that wow. often, but That's I really like that. That's good. Yeah. And, and I'm mixed about, oh yeah, least favorite. I mean, I'm, I, I'm an anchovy person. I've got no problem with anchovies, for example. Um, you know, but I, I'm kind of hit and miss on the white pizza. Me too. Or, That's and disgusting. Like, and clam. You know, it's just like, yeah, eh. No white pizza. Yeah, it's been bland. Well, right. art is yeah. subjective. No, uh, no white pizzas in the McCoy household. No. No. <laughs> what is or was your favorite animated series? Mm. Favorite cartoon? I still yeah. have to go with The Simpsons. Orange Tallet? Nope. It doesn't disappoint. It's a solid choice. I mean, solid. I mean, you know. I, I, I grew up with with you know Looney Tunes cartoons reruns, so it, you know that was that was the default reference, you know, kind of coming out of youngest childhood, um, you know, and, and so yeah, I'll stick with Looney Tunes. Stella is scrambling through his soundboard right now. He's like, "This is my moment." Quick, where's the dome? All right, we're on from cartoon two. One vice you will openly admit. Vice. Mm. Nice. My cuticles are always a mess. Cuticle picking. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my, my wife does that too. Yeah. My default. My default sleep in. It's like I could easily sleep till nine thirty. Get up, nice. you know, nine thirty ten. That's why you, you know. missed burritos this morning. Ease, exactly. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Repercussion. So you know, the early to bed, early to rise is not happening. An often overlooked aspect of your personality is. This is going to be good too. <laughs> I'm actually quite sensitive. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> That's right, baby. You can answer for each other too. Actually, we could we could spin it. Um, I don't know. I've got overlook aspect of your personality. Where um, I don't know that that seems that seems, that seems hazardous to like. Uh, I was gonna say for the, for the other person. I, mean, you I been, opened the door. <laughs> you, you haven't been married a l- long enough, Dan, to know that, that that you actually can't turn that question. Around. I just don't think that, <laughs> I do get. I don't think Kevin's able why is to hide anything. Why is nobody saying? <laughs> Um, I I do get I do get angry on occasion and um, you know uh, it's terrifying to all of us everyone's terrifying it takes a lot the kids are like I can I can get there here so cute that is cute yeah it is cute it is cute I am incredibly see how cute it is I I am incredibly impatient I don't think I hide it very well but my attention span is like two seconds (laughs) That's me, especially living in New York more and more. I'm like, what are you doing? You got to go, move. Yeah. I'm really territorial about the sidewalk now. Wow. Yeah, it might be true. a phase. I hope it's not a phase. Anyway, this isn't about true, me. True New Yorkers. <laughs> this that is why is. I stay out in the country. Oh, that's nice. Um, favorite era of art? Early modern. 30s. 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. I, yep. I think that's about, that's a good one. There was a lot of, a lot of grounding. Who are, you, who are you thinking of? Teens, teens to 20s, maybe. Let's push it back. Teens, teens, 20s. Um, you know, European modernism. That's the date that brought us. Mm. I'm going to go forward. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go forward. I think late 50s, early 60s. I'll go there. Like Fluxus, yeah. all the things that are like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure, mm. all the things. All the things. Well, and that captures, um, you know, the, the real kind of high point of experimental filmmaking, which is, um, you know, pretty important reference point. Absolutely. And arguably the birth, the birth of digital art, right? I oh, mean, yeah. Sure. 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, all, sure. for all the right Good reasons. Good choices. Yeah. Good choices. If you could change one thing about your neighborhood, what would it be? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, it's a little bit better... Um, subway connection. I don't mind the G train, but um, a little bit better subway connection. Would the be, G is would be tough. Nice. Yeah, yeah, the G is. It's gotten much better, um, but we're a ways off the G, so I guess our specific transit hookup. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I would go with less aluminum siding, but that's happening. Oh, is, is there's more aluminum siding coming in? No, I just no, it's no, being no. Stripped it's less. It's le- less. less. Uh, it's slowly. It's slowly going away. Yeah, it's delightful got you, to see got that. You. I like it. Uh, a piece of art that you don't own but would love to. And it can be anything like oh, throughout no, history. Jesus. Something without aluminum siding. Oh, I know. I would like to have a Wilhelm Hammershoi painting. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were just looking from at From like 1900, turn of the century. They're just these like beautifully lit, like barren interiors. I think it would be very restful to have that. Yeah, mm. those are those are those are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my God, we just—I mean, you know—I uh, <laughs> uh, I can't. I, my my mind is my mind is is is, is blanking. Um, well, the, while you're thinking, the, Kevin, Jen, can you say the artist's name again? Because oh, it wasn't an artist that I was familiar with. Wilhelm Hammershoi. 
Okay, Wilhelm. Kind of 18, 1890s, turn of the century, yeah. Danish, right? Danish. Danish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. H A N N E R. Forget about it. Good stuff. I think there was one at auction they're, they're in May, and uh, I didn't see what it went for, but I'm imagining it was a lot. And I don't think there's that many either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, uh, I'm, I'm, just because I saw these a couple weeks ago and they just were so amazing, these Helen Frankenthalers mm. at the uh, Gagosian were just totally amazing. Mm. Yeah, those beautiful, are nice. Really beautiful. The Helmigolf Klimt ones at Guggenheim last year, that was totally incredible. Yeah, um, you know, there's a, long, there's a long list. I'm going to leave this. You can choose, actually, which, which question you want to answer, but you can either... Give us the first website that you remember or your first psychedelic experience. <laughs> well, it was the same thing. No. Uh, <laughs> That's why they're paired. <laughs> Jen had a very early um, web, website experience. Yeah. Because um, we, we, were, we were doing grad school up at uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic in the early 90s. Um, yeah, someone the in the library was like, do you want to see, because we had been using Elm uh, for email, <laughs> which is like wow. type yeah. VI yeah. and write command something line. in, command line email. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so oh, stupid. Man. We're all in the same grad program. Why can't you just like put like a note on the desk instead of like having to all log in oh, at the wow. computer on that desk? <laughs> Oh, slowly, like even over the course of the year, we could do it from home and it was like made a little more sense. Um, but somebody in the library, because I was working for a dean, was like, look at this. And it was mosaic with images. And I was like, oh, this is insane. You mean everyone can see this? And I just have to type in words and this page comes up. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty unbelievably. Very psychedelic. Yeah. It was nuts. The internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I, she, I didn't see it. She, she, she came home and was telling me about it, and I was just like, "Wow, that sounds pretty, pretty crazy." Yeah. Um, and the psychedelic experience, um, I'll, I guess I'll take that one. Uh, when I was nineteen years old, and um, on summer between freshman and sophomore year. Uh, with my kind of friends from high school, um, and it was unforgettable, totally unforgettable. This is an interesting one. We, we, you know, at times have thought of taking it out, but I think a remarkable amount of people have had psychedelic experiences, like way more than you would think until you start asking. And it's like super high hit rate, you know. Oh, so that's we, right, baby. Yeah, we we keep this one in. Yeah, but I guess it's also artists mostly. So like maybe that's a, a sub. Yeah, our demographic more... is a bit narrow. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair, Dan. That's fair. <laughs> um, so if you could live anywhere, where would you mm. want to live? <sighs> You know, we, we have we have a uh, we, we met in Paris, France, and have a special collection with that city. Um, but that's number two, or maybe even number three. Um, I'm come from and I come from Seattle, which is a wonderful place, beautiful place. Um, but honestly, uh, New York City. I love living in New York City. Yeah, I was going to say awesome. Gramercy Park. It's like right there. But <laughs> I, Gramercy <laughs> Park. You'd have a key. You You'd finally have a key. I want the key inside that come park. On. It's so convenient to everything. Yeah, There's a Sex in the ep the Sex in the City episode you can watch, I'm sure, and, and live that vicariously. It's fine. <laughs> Read my lips. No. 
<laughs> what Three is an experience that you've had with a collector uh, that's been particularly impactful? Hmm, that one's interesting. Well, there's a good, there's a good, a good one and a bad one. The good one <laughs> was <laughs> the one where you're just like, holy shit. Um, when we were showing, this was 2004, we were showing, a show, it was our second show at Postmasters. We had just come up with this idea of um, miniature cameras over these dioramas of, of uh, a kind of miniature film set. This is after Horror Chase. So remember Horror Chase, we built this whole film set, shot it on film, had to dismantle it completely to get out of the space before we even got the footage back from the lab and we're, and, you know, and, and which was nerve wracking. And we were just like, how do we bring this, you know, the space was just so cool, the whole space, you know, and like, you know, the, the physicality of whatever. It's like, how do we bring that into the gallery? And so coming off of horror chase, we had this idea of like miniature cameras, kind of dollhouse style miniatures and edit those together in real time to make these kind of simple, simple films. And, um, one of the first ones we did on that was a piece called Our Second Date, which was um, a kind of sort of documentary thing. Our, our second date, uh, I said we went in Paris, was going to see uh, Jean-Luc Godard's film Weekend. Oh, and wow. so we, we, we made that in miniature. We, we, we built the traffic jam scene, the kind of long, you know, kind of traffic jam scene. That, that shot is as, one of the best shots in the cinema. So great, right? As, as this kind of miniature turntable and then this kind of shot, reverse shot of us you know, in miniature kind of, you know, in this like hilarious little kind of dolls wow. and kind of watching that in this film, in this kind of film theater, um, very primitive, but, but, but it worked. In walks um, the actor, Bill Paxton, <laughs> walking by <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> and he just wow. looked kind of, he was looking around, and he kind of looks at it and he's just like, oh, and within five minutes he bought the piece. He's just like, wow. I'm, I, I, I want to buy like this. And, and he eventually installed it in his, agent's office in Beverly Hills, which, which we installed for him at his office. It was That's totally, cool. totally insane, totally cool. hilarious. America's dad, so Bill dang. Paxton. I know, he what a Amazing guy, guy. such a nice guy. He's an awesome guy. That wow. piece eventually got donated to the um, Nevada Art Museum. So that's uh, that, that came from Bill Paxton. He and his father were big were big collectors. Um, so that's a good, that's a great one. Some some <laughs> some bad ones. You just hear you just. Oh, we know, I have a bad one. That's uh, so odd. I was at a, a <laughs> rich people a booth in like... um, at uh, the Armory, and uh, I could and our art dealer was there. We had a piece on the wall, and she was talking to this woman. And I was coming up behind them, and I hear the dealer say to the collector, "Oh, the artist is here." Would you like to meet her? And the woman turns oh. around and looks me up and down and then turns back to the dealer and says, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I can hear you. I'm right here. So fabulous. Brutal. Brutal. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, am I sorry? I was getting so engrossed in the story that I forgot. <laughs> I love when you yeah, get I'm enraptured like, in the story. I'm like, Bill Paxton, <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I she it on your face. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, she didn't say that. Oh wait, I'm still here and I have to say things. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Um, can I tell you? Can I tell you one more Bill Paxton story? Yeah, oh, please yeah. do. The the um, he because he, he would call us up sometimes. You know, he'd call us. Hey, this is Bill. Hey, listen. I'm doing this great show. I'm doing this show with HBO. 
it's going to be great, you know, and I really, I've been talking to the producers and I really want you guys to do the credit sequence. I really want to think you could do, you know, like, like you did for the piece, you could do that as a, as the, as the credit sequence for this, for this thing. And, uh, and, you know, and it was one of those things where I mean, we eventually got on a call with the, with the producer and the producer's like, have you ever done anything like this before? Like with many credits, he goes, we're like, no, but we have some ideas. It could be this, it could be that, like blah, blah, blah. And it was clear that it was just like, he was kind of humoring the star, uh, you know, and kind of whatever, but this is for, um, for big love. The series was, 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 was big love, you know, and he was, um, with, you know, later it's clear that's what that was for. I can't say that we were close to doing it or like whatever. I'm sure it was just. Sort no, of like, but uh, I just saw uh, <laughs> but, another HBO show that literally looks like our miniatures. It's of the whole like character thing done in miniatures for their credit sequence. So they eventually did it. Um, it's for, it it's for Dead Ringers. They did a show of Dead Ringers, the. Based on the Cronenberg um, oh. film. Yeah, the Rachel White's series. Yeah, the beginning looks a lot like our miniatures. Huh. <laughs> I got to see that. I I'll show you. Okay. Anyway, so that's breaking the news go, on the dang. Go, yeah, go back to your question. We've been robbed. Yeah, sorry. I, 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 I'm back. Um, so, um, who is someone that you've never met but would like to meet? I mean, you've already met Bill Paxton, so, I mean, after who is there after that? <laughs> We haven't met, but would like to meet. I don't know. What do you think? What's your? Do you have a? Do you have a? Do you have a name on that? Hmm. It's like I don't want to meet anybody. <laughs> 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 Leave me alone. This is. I would like to meet Andrea Fraser. I think you've met her, but I've never met her. Oh, I met. I met her. Yeah, she was. She yeah, she was. She's intense. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She is intense. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, I. I don't. I don't. Have... Living or dead. It's funny because you know we. Yeah. <laughs> living if it makes or dead. it easier, you know, we can we can go living or dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, living or dead for sure. Yeah. Well, and I I'll prefer meeting. I prefer meeting dead people. It's just less challenge, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I I um I'll go back to my William Burroughs kind of thing, you know, and I missed a chance to attend a, a reading of his way back in the day that uh, I do think would have been really really kind of cool. It would have been pretty pretty interesting to um. To, to, right. to meet him but you know it's like it's funny because you know in new york there's a lot of you know you meet people there's people you know there's like famous people that kind of whatever you cross paths with people and and uh you know and it's it's not uh you know it's not like you're kind of you need to be friends with people if you're friends with people you get this you know you get a, a really nice interaction and you know conversations and stuff if you meet people at some event or at some kind of thing or whatever they could be really smart and whatever but you can't it's just weird talking to them in a you know prolonged conversational way it's like you don't really have a basis for that you know so it's for sure um people you know, are so, weird. so yeah, people are weird. They want to just kind of do their thing, and really like you know. And again, if you're friends or at a party, like you know, some sort of social thing that 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 you know kind of can can make it you know kind of make it work. But otherwise, it can be a little kind of like, eh, do your thing. That's I find just carrying twenty random questions, you know, when you see a famous person, you whip them out of your pocket and just read, ask them what they had for breakfast and yeah. their psychedelic experience. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick way to make friends. <laughs> So you can time jump either into the random future or the random past. Which do you choose? Oh, I think you got to go to the future. Future, I think. The future. I think future. I think, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be fascinating to be at some moments in the past. No question about it. But you got to go to the future. So I think 
this, this one's my favorite, um, I think. We're right up there with the psychedelic one, which is, what is your worst job? I feel like this kind of brings out like the, the common humanity in all of us. What was your worst job ever? Kevin has truly had some terrible jobs. I'm, I'm interested some, to see you know, which I, he'd have to pick. No, there's some, there's some, there's some crazy ones. I did a lot of work and a lot of crappy jobs, um, you know, when I was in high school and college and thereafter. Um, I was doing medical waste pickup for a, um, for a dialysis, um, thing, uh, driving between five different centers, picking up the kind of sharps waste. That wasn't that bad, honestly. Um, you're mostly in a van kind of driving around. That was kind of fine. I did swing shift in a candy factory, um, working in the cream and gum room, which is like, <laughs> you know, circus peanuts and gummy bears. And that was really pretty That's intense because uh, the room was hot, you know, um, it's like 100 degree room. Uh, and then you're bringing the stuff into this dry storage room. that was about 120 degrees wheeling these things from two to 10 at night. That was pretty, that was an intense job. And I was just, you know, I was a college kid at summer. I was like college boy with these people that were, you know, working that were not college boys. And, um, you know, so that was, you know, that was pretty intense. It was pretty, pretty interesting. You know, I could, I could just leave. I was, you know, going back to my kind of like, you know, college days at, at the end of it. And they uh, were not, you know, <laughs> it, was, mm. it was pretty, um, you know, kind of pretty eye opening. Um, but yes, yeah, so a medical waste pickup and um, candy factory. I did a whole, me- when I was in high school, early in high school, I worked in this metal shop. Uh, and I was like kind of low man on the totem pole there that um, was like this kind of six man shop down the street. And they had me doing, I mean, in retrospect, I mean, they had me like doing like washing all this stuff in chemicals and all this stuff. It was just like very poor safety practices. In, in retrospect, I'm just like, man, that was, that was, that was not good. That sounds horrible. Um, you know, so I don't know, a bunch of crazy jobs. To the flip side, what's your favorite time of day to work? Wait, when I'm gonna, I'm gonna, nice? I'm gonna throw my my foul card here, because oh. oh. I want to hear Jen's worst job. Oh. Jen's worst I job. I don't think we, I don't think we got Jen's worst job. Uh, I think the the job was not so terrible, but the interview was insane. I had to <laughs> it during an interview at a toy store. I was asked to address all my answers to the questions to a large stuffed gorilla. So I had to. No way. <laughs> true story. No way. Which was true story. Honestly, just one hundred percent true story. Just averting my gaze and talking to the gorilla was just so humiliating. I don't know. I found that really humiliating. Was there a goal or an objective other than like demeaning you or like yes. power play? I think like... it was some sort of like world of theater. Like, how do you engage play and imagination? But like when there's a power differential like that, you're like, I don't feel so playful. Can I please be killed? <laughs> um, yes. Yes. The only thing sadder about that job was one of my fellow coworkers was Nirvana's first drummer. <laughs> and he just uh, really Dave, shouldn't have quit Dave that Grohl? band. No, oh, before him. No, way before. Way before Dave Oh, Grohl. way, way, way back. Okay. They had a drummer oh, named, uh, was it Clay? Was that his name? I think Clay? so. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, so yeah. kids grow up thinking like, I want to work in a candy factory, Charlie in a chocolate factory, or maybe a toy store. <laughs> That'd be great. But listen to the McCoys. Those are horrible jobs. 
You don't want to be in a candy factory. You don't want to be in a toy factory. No, kids. That's you know, you're better off. It's still capitalism. Run. Better off. Really better off collecting. Sh- better off collecting discarded sharp medical, equi- you know, disposable. Yeah. Friends. <laughs> yeah, we need to hear from the Oompa Loompas now. We got to talk to them. They're like, hey. It's, it's hot. Don't, dis, it is don't so diss hot. our work. <laughs> don't diss our work. Uh, good call with the foul card. Or no, I will give it to you. Uh, back to back to twenty two. We are nearly finished out, but I do want to know when it feels best in the day to work for you guys. Mm. Um, honestly, I'm I'm really most I, 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 after saying I like I, my vices kind of sleep in, um, but but morning late morning uh, to early afternoon ten to two is really most productive time totally agree um, i get sleepy at two <laughs> and then i have to have tea or take breaks and once the breaks start the day is soon over did you just yawn? And, was that a yawn and and here we are at 222 dan so now time <laughs> we're really stretching we're stretching them out well i think there's only two more questions and this one is is very lightweight and breezy mm-hmm. what is your ideal afterlife scenario <laughs> Ideal afterlife scenario. Huh. Ideal afterlife scenario. The very fact of there being one. Where are we? Yeah, <laughs> anything north of oblivion, I'm good with. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I love that. And I think the, the two of you are actually the first to complete 22 questions. No one has gotten through this list. The last question that we do have for 22 questions is nature, nurture, or Nietzsche? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. I was a philosophy major as an undergrad and oh, uh, studied a lot of Nietzsche. Uh, so it's hard, to, you know, there's a real, you know, the world is, we live in a Nietzschean world, very much so. But we also are parents of two children and see the true awesome power of nature, <laughs> of the fact that the children arrive as you know infantile babies but yet at the same time fully formed you know they're whatever kind of little thing you're seeing is a kind of cute little baby is exactly the same thing except scaled up uh when they're 15 and you're just like wow you haven't changed a bit since you were like one um so so uh <laughs> nature is pretty uh you know you know but, uh, but nature and nietzsche you know it's kind of you know it's 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 you know, like, where does the will to power come from? Right? Isn't it kind of nature? You know, so I don't know. That's a parsing the nature to Nietzsche thing is, a, you know, is, is an interesting question. So your so nurture is just like SOL, I guess, right, Kevin? For you, <laughs> <laughs> screw nurture. No, I'm, we're we're we're, we're, we're very nurture. Because we could be saving a lot yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make it a lot, lot more art. Exactly. Can be saving a lot of time. Uh, all of the above is the answer. Yeah, the I think nature too. Nature, I'll say nature. Yeah, I I think that's it, Dan. Is that uh, we made it all? I feel like I know this like is wild. Special sound effects. We've made it through all twenty-two questions, and uh, had a great time doing it. Thanks to you both for coming on, and hopefully it was fun for you. I know I had a blast. Super and, fun. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good to get to know more about both of you and exciting to, to know more about your work and your life and excited to see the new work that's coming out. This has been delightful. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have a bit more to get to on today's episode, but first, a preview. 
Hey y'all, this is Hannah, one of the producers behind I'm New Here, Depop Studios' forthcoming documentary film directed by your lovely dankness host slash Sundance Grand Jury Award winner, Dan Sickles. The film tells the story of an isolated internet user who falls down the crypto rabbit hole, encounters the visionaries behind the NFT movement, and ultimately rediscovers their connection to art and humanity along the way. I know I'm a little biased, but this is the definitive NFT documentary made for and by the community. So I'm calling on you, dear listener, to help us successfully complete this film by becoming a newbie collector today. I'm talking about our film's very own NFT collection of 10,000 avatars whose pixelicious traits pay homage to our iconic cast. Y'all, the amazing thing about becoming a newbie collector is that we've partnered with a roster of incredible artists in our community to bring you the dankest artist collaborations made exclusively for newbie holders for free. That means the newbie is the best and most accessible way to start your own crypto art collection. So open that browser tab right now. Come on, we both know you're holding your phone. And go to newhere.xyz and mint. Thank you to our guests, Jennifer and Kevin McCoy. It has been an honor having you join us on The Dankness. You should make sure to follow them on all of your social medias at McCoy Space. That's at M-C-C-O-Y-S-P-A-C-E and on McCoySpace.com. Dank. Dank. And as always, big, big love to the Stella most love. and the Dank Tones. And big you, love. You can find us... Art Gnome and Sickles on the interwebs at thedankness.xyz, newhere.xyz, and of course, clubnft.com. You can also catch us on our personal accounts at Art Gnome, A-R-T-N-O-M-E, and at Dan Sickles. And without further ado... Have a diggity 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 dank 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 day Stella take us out dank 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 they are based on matter there is no matter here our identities have no bodies so unlike you we cannot obtain order by physical coercion. It's been fun to see a lot of these projects get rediscovered. Um, and, and people just coming into crypto for the first time through NFTs has been interesting to see. Different artists really working to answer that question too and like make, make this entire system um, more tangible and more digestible for people through art and how art communicates. And that's why it makes so much sense. Like, that's why that's why PFPs make a lot of sense. That's why crypto art makes sense. It's like these these ways of attempting to communicate what this is all about. Real life 
are Flood and Stella are audiovisual artists collaborating to make waves in the Dinkiverse with their trippy, acid-infused art project called the Dinktones. They have been super busy lately, working around the clock to create some mind-bending image composition, NFT art that's about to turn heads in the community. They're hitting all the retro music store vibes. The podcast cover art includes stickers, holographics, shrink wrap, and even some redacted sound effects. Yes, you heard that right. This wild duo is bringing back physical media vibes in a big way with this release. But it's not just the medium that's impressive, it's the audio-visual art itself. Blood and Stella's art is truly something special, with bright, bold colors and intricate patterns and zany sound effects that will have you feeling like you're tripping on acid. So if you're a fan of NFT art and you're looking for something a little bit different, definitely check out Flood and Stella's The Dank Tones Project. Thanks for your time. Have a dank 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 dank